Friday, everybody. Welcome to Canada's Pinball Podcast. It's episode 400. And you know what? Who's even counting at this point how many episodes of Canada's Pinball Podcast? We're here. This, this episode, I'm so excited because I'm going to, to give a prediction on something that, if it happens, I think could be awesome. And the timing on it is actually perfect. And it might be one of the coolest ways ever to launch a pinball machine. And we'll talk about that a little bit later on. We're going to talk about what's going on in the industry. We're going to, Izzy, Izzy Macho, is Canada Macho, Gary, Gary, Izzy Macho, man, George Gomez, mm, double G's. Mm. No, I'm not the Macho Man, but uh, I love everybody speculating who is Macho. Who is he? I think I know who he is, but I'm not going to tell you. All right. So let's talk about what's going on in pinball. Then I want to read some of your emails, and then we're going to have a nice little short Friday edition of Canada's Pinball Podcast, and everyone's going to go and enjoy the Super Bowl and not worry about pinball. So let's start out. Where should we start out? Probably by announcing that a game is coming back that nobody really cared about getting back out again, and that is no other then Iron Man Vault Edition. You know, when they announced Iron Man Vault Edition, I, I think there was just like one person in the world who raised their hand and said, I, I've been waiting for this moment. Thank you, Stern. Thank you for vaulting a Vault Edition. They vaulted a Vault Edition. Now, why? Like, the two games that everyone would throw money at Stern. They would put money attached to pigeons. They would mail suitcases full of thousands of dollars into Gary's bedroom and smack him over the head with it. The games people want, it's two of them. Tron LE and Lord of the Rings back. They or, or just Tron and Lord of the Rings. They want both of those games to be vaulted. And remember when George Gomez, he even came on the show a few years ago. He said, he said to everybody, George Gomez said, the games that you want to be vaulted, the games people are expecting and are have strong desire for, he's like, you're probably going to get them. I remember when he said that. He like teased us all, and that's why people won't stop talking about Tron and Lord of the Rings. Nobody, nobody wants another Iron Man, especially for a price that's a, a couple thousand dollars more than you can go get a used one. And plus, let's be let's be completely honest right now. Iron Man, when you look at it now, I mean, Iron Man was one of those games where completely barren, but it was fast. It was fast and it was fun. And I think people learned to enjoy it. But what a joke in terms of what's in it. But it was a fast game and it felt like a four to five thousand dollar game. And it, and it, it is a four to five thousand dollar game. But nobody needs another Iron Man and nobody wants one. So when Stern announced that, the speculation is like, does that mean that Stranger Things sales are not going as great as they should be? And is that why Stern is throwing another game on the line? I don't think that's the case. I really don't. I, I think the way Stern operates, they're huge. When you watch a Stern tour, the video, uh, you know, Stern video tour, they're they're so big. They have so many employees. They have so many parts. They have so many lines. And to me, I just see like Gary and the investors like up in a booth at the top of the factory being like, all right, that's going, that's going, that's going. Wait, wait a minute. What's happening over there? Why are those 18 people not doing anything? What can they build? Okay, we've got Iron Man parts left over. Put Iron Man on the line. Get it out there. Get distributors to buy it. Get distributors to hype it. And let's get it out the door. And then they can make a few hundred Iron Mans in a week. And all of a sudden, hey, who wants a brand new Iron Man? And the response by everybody is not me. Not now. Nobody cares. All right. 
So Iron Man Vault Edition, the vault of a vault. Do I think we're ever going to get Lord of the Rings again? I don't. I don't. I don't think they're ever going to pick up that license again. And I don't think they're ever going to go back and renegotiate any of those deals and and, and pay the, the licensing fees on Lord of the Rings. Tron is a lot easier because, as they've said, they have the rights to use the clips from the Tron movie. And even though they put those clips into DMD dots, they do have the rights to use the footage of the film. So it makes total sense that Tron would be a Vault Edition game in which they ported it over to the new system and gave an LCD version of Tron. You know, I always get annoyed when people are like, well, they can't move a a Sam game over to the new Spike system. Why not? It's a huge company. Yeah, it takes some work. But here's the other thing we know Stern will do. If they made a modern version of Tron with an LCD with all new art package by like a zombie Yeti or someone amazing, look, they could charge $9,000 plus for it. I don't I don't understand. And, and all that extra profit, that's how you pay the people to port over the code. They can do it. Nothing is impossible in pinball, right? All right. So what else is going on? So Joe Kamikow has sort of teased on the super awesome pinball show uh, when he was talking to Christopher Franchi. Or Christopher Franchi dropped something, one line about talking about Doc Brown. And oops, maybe I shouldn't have said that. And now it has people speculating on whether or not Kapow has the license to Back to the Future. Immediately people are making the connection that if that's the case, that Back to the Future would be a game that Stern Pinball would make and nobody on planet Earth, nobody wants Stern Pinball to make Back to the Future. Let's be honest. I'd rather have Deep Root, who I've never even seen a full game from yet, make Back to the Future because I know they'll put more into it. I'd rather have Jersey Jack make it, okay? Nobody wants Stern to make Back to the Future because they know if they make Back to the Future, it's going to be a stripped down, barren playfield with hardly anything mechanically in it and back to the future is a theme that just screams out for toys and mechs and world under glass and i think stern wouldn't do it justice and if i'm stern and i read stuff like that i get they're having like these incredible sales years but on some level i would hate to be the company that even though you're making so much money that the fans when they hear that oh a beloved theme could be made by any company out there and you're the last company people want to see make it. I mean, it, that you're just you're making the Honda Civics of cars. And that is where we're at. And so I don't get just cheerleading the same big company when we all know deep down in our hearts that our favorite themes, the movies we love, the shows we love, our favorite properties, if we had the choice to hand it to a company to make and do it right, that probably none of us would give it to Stern. And they, they're they the reason why we feel that way. They've taken some of our most beloved themes and they gave us mediocre games. And Stranger Things is the latest example of that. And so, but here's my thing. Here's my thing about Back to the Future. And if you think about it, think about it like this. Here's what I want to speculate on. I don't think Back to the Future is impossible to get as a license. It's just money. Everything is just money. Joe Kamikow, he can get anything. He can get anything. He can get Harry Potter. He can get Back to the Future. We know that Joe likes working with Gary on stuff. But here's what I would speculate is going on. If Joe Kamikow 
was working with Stern on Back to the Future. Do you think Christopher Franchi would make that little remark like that if it was a Stern project, knowing that Stern and Franchi have severed the relationship? And do you think Christopher Franchi would be working with Joe on it if it was going to be a Gary title? Here's my guess. If it is happening, which again, I think it's a big if, I think this might be Chicago Gaming Company's original IP game that's not a remake of an old game. How awesome would that be? Get a designer, make it with Chicago Gaming Company, have Christopher Franchi do the art, because Joe Kamikow, as much as he's friends with Gary, he's also good friends with, with Christopher Franchi, and he's also a man goes by the beat of his own drum and is super successful in, in, in his own right. I mean, Kamikow, I'm, I'm speculating here, but Kamikow could wipe the floor with like what he's earned in life and what he's generated. More than Gary, probably more than George Gomez. I mean, Joe Kamikow is a baller. Just check out his car collection. I mean, it's no joke. Man drives half a million dollar cars like, like you and I go in to buy Honda Civics. So we'll see what happens, but that's an interesting development, all right? What else is going on in pinball? So the cat is out of the bag, people. Canada has revealed to the world what number Rick and Morty game he's getting. Are you ready? That number, and I love this number. It's a nice round number. I am getting Rick and Morty number 50. All right, I shared the image of my invoice deposit for number 50. The way I got number 50 is not a mystery. Chuck told people. I called him up the moment the game went on sale. Maybe, a, a, you know, right on the dot. It was like 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. He said, hello, hold on. We're all, we're processing orders and number 50. Now I know people are gonna complain. How did Canada get number 50? Is the Canada getting special treatment? And, and here's the thing, and I'm just gonna say this. I called up Chuck. Did anyone else call up Charlie and ask them how they could get a game? And there was no rules of engagement. Chuck gave me the number that he gave me. I had no, I didn't request a number. I didn't ask for a number. I don't need number 12 like Richie Wrench. He did what he did. Now, there will be people who say, well, Chuck gave Canada one because of who he is. And maybe there, that was some motivating factor for him, but I don't know. But let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Is it not good? Is it not good PR? Is it not good uh, for the only machine inside Canada's apartment in which a show that reaches 3,000 people, in which I go back and forth on you know, games that excite me, isn't it good PR on some level for Chuck to have Canada buying a spooky machine? And people have said this, how could they sell to Canada because he's ragged on spooky games over the years? And I'll say this, I've always been fair about my assessment of all manufacturer games. And maybe I did rag on older spooky games. And here's the thing, I think Chuck and company also feel that those games were the best they could do at the time and they might not be up to the standards of other manufacturers, but they keep closing the gap. And they've kept closing the gap game after game. And this game is just special for a lot of people. And I think you're feeling that in the thread I think when you watch, when you watch, and you should go watch this today, go on Spooky Pinball's Facebook page. If you haven't seen the video of them making these games and these games on the line and 20 of them are done already and they're packaging them up, 
You know, everyone's nervous because they're packaging up these games with the toppers installed on the games. I think all of us who have ever shipped the pin, who have ever like unboxed a pin, we're all just like kind of cringing inside of like, what are you doing with the toppers on top? You, you shouldn't ship them like that. And Chuck's like, well, I don't want people to be confused about how to connect the top. Oh, come on, Chuck. We can figure out how to attach a topper to a game. I think this is the only game that has ever shipped with a topper already installed on it, ever. I don't know. I don't know how games in the 90s were sent. but And it's also like it's like thin plastic. It, it just it looks fragile. It looks like it's going to break. And then it's shipped in a way that would make everybody nervous it's going to break. But then I was like, it also doesn't look that expensive, the topper. So if it does break, I'm sure they'll get you a new one. And he even said, like, if, if it turns out to be problematic, we'll change it up. So... So you first 20 guys out there, open your Rick and Mortys very carefully, all right? I also, like, I'm excited to get the game, and it's so exciting seeing Spooky, like, make the game like this. People have also said, like, how could they? How could they give Kaneda the game after what he did to Jersey Jack? He's going to pull a Willy Wonka on this one, and he's going to... He's going to, you know, he's going to be all nice to Chuck. He's gonna, Chuck's going to get him an early game. And then Kaneda is going to change his tune and, and just rag all over the machine, flip it or, or cancel his order before he gets it because early reviews are going to say the gameplay is too tight. And, and that's what Kaneda does. He's such a turncoat. He's such a flip-flop. I'm here to tell you right now, and I read some of you guys like complaining and whining about me. I love it. I don't even have to be on Pinside to be on Pinside. All of you out there, who hate me, who think I, I, I exist in too many places in the pinball community, I want to thank all you guys who hate me because it's the guys who hate me that always bring me up the most on Pinside. And I love it when I'm like, I don't care what he says, even though I'm just about to write a paragraph about what he said. I don't listen to his show, but how could he say that on his show? He's such a flip. You know, it's funny to me. Why don't you guys, it's a lot easier if you guys just admit you love the show. Just admit that you kind of do or, you know, love who, what I am and what I stand for. And you are entertained by what this show provides. But anyway, I'm not flipping the game. I'm not going to get the game and sell it quickly. I'm ordering the game with butter cabinet and everything. I was getting the full works on the game. I did make one change to my game. I originally had the purple coin door on my order of Rick and Morty. But when I saw the video yesterday... I just think the black coin door actually works better because of the art. Because the artwork has like the space scene at the top. I feel like the black makes that space black, which goes, you know, the top of the entire cabinet artwork package. The space theme carries from the left side over the front to the right side of the cabinet. And I think when you have that purple coin door, it kind of breaks up the flow of the space scene. And I didn't want that. And I think the black actually looks better. So I changed my order there. But everything else I'm getting. And I'm super excited. And I'm not going to flip-flop. And I'm not going to pull the Willy Wonka. And I'll tell you why. Because the only reason I, I changed my mind on Willy Wonka. And you know the reason. is just I, I just think they took the movie we love. And they chopped it all up. And it's just not the film I love. And I don't feel like I'm playing the film I love. Now my friends at the Poor Man's Pinball Podcast. They've played this game. Uh, ben Heck has played this game. I'm trying to get Ben back on the show to talk about it. I did post initially that a few of the shots were tight. Well, yeah, like there's tight shots in a lot of pinball games. And Spooky Pinball is known for having somewhat tight shots in some of their games. Alice Cooper's one of them. And just because I said two of the shots are tight, I did not say that 
because of that, the game wasn't fun. I did not say because of that, the game's frustrating. I did not say because of that, I'm getting rid of it. Yet somebody took my post and started an entire separate pin side thread with just that image of me saying two shots are tight. And then, first of all, that shouldn't even have its own thread. And then as I got more feedback from my friends at the Poor Man's Pinball podcast, they were saying, yeah, there's a couple tight shots in the game, but, but there's a but. But let me tell you about this game. It's got the best light show of any spooky game ever. It's got the most amazing music. It's so much fun. And I think the thing they said, you know, they went over the shots even on Pinside. They said, you know, there are a lot of, you know, there's a couple tight shots, there's some medium shots, there's some easy shots. Great. That's what pinball should be. But here's what the, here's the part that just sticks out for me the most. They said, look, this game, the feeling it gives you is like you are dropped into an episode of Rick and Morty and it feels like you're playing the show and everything about it just works so amazingly well. You know, everything from like you're Morty and Rick is like screaming at you and you're going on the adventures of the show. Apparently, it feels like the world of Rick and Morty is brought to life in an incredibly fun way inside a pinball machine. And let me tell you something, tight shots, not tight shots. Deep code, shallow code, great art, whatever art. At the end of the day, pinball is supposed to do exactly that. It is supposed to translate a theme you love in an interactive physical way that pays homage and makes you feel like you're. it's in celebration of the theme you love and that it's putting you into the world of the theme you love, and it reminds you of everything you love about that theme. And the reason why I bailed on Willy Wonka is it doesn't do that. It doesn't make me feel like I'm going through the movie and the chocolate factory the way in which I love the movie. It doesn't do it at all, and that's why I bailed. And so when I hear that Rick and Morty is the complete opposite, and it's going to be. It's mode-based, and you're going to be playing all the adventures from the show. Just imagine this for a minute. Imagine if Rick and Morty pinball, or imagine if all the clips that went up on the Rick and Morty screen while they're going on their adventures, and, and Rick is you know blasting Morty. Imagine if all those clips in this pinball machine, the, the, there was no audio, that you just saw clips of the, of the adventures, and yet the, there's no synced-up voices. And that's what Willy Wonka is. And no, no one's going to change my mind that, that was they just did it all wrong. Okay? So it's not leaving. It's going to be here. And for those of you who are rooting for Canada to pull another Willy Wonka, it's not going to happen. All right? So anyway, I just want to say congratulations to Chuck and company. You know, when you see videos like that, and just working at Spooky seems like a lot of fun. And, you know, I, I, Brenda was typing into her calculator. I'm like, small little company, Benton, Wisconsin. Let's just do 750 games times $8,000. Brenda, what's on? What's coming up on the calculator? Six million bucks. I love it. Th that's the American dream. You start a company small. Charlie went from just being uh, a guy who put artwork on cabinets for Jersey Jack. He went from being that guy to a guy who made... His first game, 150 America's Most Haunted. They could barely sell them. To then making 300 Rob Zombies. To then doing Domino's Jetsons. To then doing Alice Cooper's Nightmare Castle. TNA. And now 
750 Rick and Morty's, $6 million in confirmed sales in four hours' time. Is that not a great American dream story? When people say the American dream is dead, when people cry about politics, you know, all the people in this country, and this is like Gen Z, all the people moaning about what's not happening, blaming those people and and the government and blaming politics and blaming equality, all this stuff. This is a great example. You create something of value and the money will come and you take control of your own destiny and you give people something they want and you will become an American success story. And I think this is that. And look, this is not me shilling for the game. If I get this game, I'm going to give you my honest review of it, okay? I'm probably going to play it at Jack Bar before and give you my first impressions there. Everything I'm hearing, everything I'm hearing about the game is pretty positive. Now, there will be people who probably play it and don't like it, and that's fine. But you're going to get my honest feedback on the game. When have I ever not been honest? I mean, I told you, I love the way Willy Wonka shoots. Willy Wonka is one of the best shooting pinball machines of all time. It is. I would do a complete code overhaul. Why are people after 10 months still only getting two golden tickets? Great way to code a game. Make it impossible. Come on. That's not fun. All right. All right. Canada number 50. So that means I should have my game sometime in like in March, which is going to be exciting. I can't wait to get that game. All right, so what else is going on? You know, all right, I want to talk about, you know, then I got to get to work. I got to read your emails. Okay, I got to end this show in 23 minutes. I can do it. I can do it. All right, so uh, the last thing I want to talk about, and and this is just a rumor on my part. It's not even a rumor. This is just pure speculation. So Jersey Jack Pinball, you know, people are saying this, that it's sort of like a period in which Jack should be getting his next game out. We know his next game is Guns N' Roses. So Stranger Things has been a miss. It has been. It's never going to get any more excitement than it has now. Never. I don't care if they project you know, a, a URL that you can go to to get free money. It's, it's not going to ever get people that excited again. It's over. Sorry, Ice. It's over. Guns N' Roses. So here's my, here's my prediction. And this, this, this is just like probably has a 10% chance of happening. So keep that in mind. But I think this would be the greatest way to launch this game. Here's the here here here's the, here's a, here's a scoop. Guns N' Roses is on tour right now. They're actually playing tonight for Bud Light, my client, in the Miami Arena, American Airlines Arena. They're then going to Mexico City for a Sunday, March fifteenth show. They are then going to Lima, Peru, and they'll be in Lima on Tuesday, March twenty fourth. They then are not playing again until Bogota, Colombia on April 3rd. So what's happening between March 24th and April 3rd? Texas Pinball Festival. Do you think that Slash, who loves festival, I mean, he loves conventions, do you think Slash, who helped design this game with Eric, do you think Slash, who loves pinball, Do you think Slash is going to be at TPF to unveil to the world Guns and Effin' Roses Pinball Machine? The dates line up. How amazing would it be if they timed it like that? The lights go down. The opening chords to Jungle 
Slash comes out and then he unveils the machine with Eric and talks about the creation of it. That's what I would do. <laughs> but I'm, do you think this could happen? I don't know, but you heard it here first on Canada's Pinball Podcast. I think Slash is going to help Jersey Jack Pinball reveal Guns N' Roses at TPF. I, I think the dates line up. And what's funny is this. If they don't have that lined up right now, if that's not in the books, I hope they listen to this show and realize the dates are perfect for Slash to reveal the game at TPF 2020 to sign translates. I mean, it, the line for Slash would be around the block. If Jack were smart, you'd have to order a collector's edition to get on the signature line to get Slash to, to personally sign for you your collector's edition translator signature plaque. Well, Jack, I just gave you another free idea. Damn it, Canada. Keeps snaking us. Keeps knowing how to do marketing. Oh, man. So, I, yeah, that's, that's what I think is going to happen. I think Slash is going to reveal guns and roses all right right let me read a few of your emails then i gotta go all right i got an email from franco um and he said hey canada i have responded to your call for feedback i've been listening for at least three years now and the reason i keep listening is simple you are entertaining and you make what would be ordinarily be a boring topic interesting keep doing what you're doing franco well frank you thank you we try. I say we. You know, I'm the royal we. I, for some reason, I say we. I don't know. I, I try. I try to make the show as entertaining as possible. And I'm glad to have you as a listener, Frank. And I think part of the, I think people get a kick out of me saying we all the time. All right. Oh, what's this? Is a longer email. So I'll, I'll, I'll paraphrase this. Michael um, Fiore. He wanted to give me a sort of, you know, he says I enjoy listening to your stream most of the time. And thank you for putting the time in to do this weekly. I'm sure it takes a lot of time. I find that most of the episodes I've heard are usually about current new games, their quality, the pros and cons. And then he goes on to say, how about talking to the top players in the world and teaching your listeners about who they are? Maybe set up interviews with them and talk about the current games and what their feelings are on the games. Now, so here's the deal, Michael. First of all, thank you for the email and thank you for listening. Should Canada interview more of the IFPA top players and get their feedback on the games? A few things. Um, most of those guys, uh, they, they talk to other shows. And when they talk about gameplay, a lot of times those guys talk about it in the context of tournament play. Uh, so I do think it's interesting to maybe secure some of these guys to talk about current game releases. Here's, here's the truth. A lot of those guys are friends with a, with a lot of the crews that don't like me. And coming on this show is seen as a, a, an act of betrayal. And if you're deep into the tournament scene, Canada is like... You know the 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 Voldemort. He's the arch enemy of tournament players. That's not the case. Um, so I, I'm gonna you know I'm gonna make amends. I've tried to make amends with 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 that community, uh, and I will reach out to some of the top players to see if they'd be interested. So if you are a top player and you are listening to this show right now, hit me up at CanadaPinball at gmail.com. You would make my life a lot easier if if you could just come to me and say, hey man, I'm ranked this. I would love to be the guy who gives you my feedback from a player's perspective on these new games. All right, I got an email from John Dell. He said, hey, Chris, hope all is well. I am still enjoying the podcast. Actually, it's the only pinball podcast I listen to anymore. Keep up the great work. 
Keep Brenda and Bubba happy. John. Well, John, thank you for listening. I think Brenda's happy. I know she is. Bubba, I can never tell because his face is always just drooling with a constant frown. I got an email from do 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 Peter. Let me read this. Then this is in the last one. Peter Gertzen. He says, hi, Chris. Love the show. I agree and tend to disagree with you, but this that is great. What I love is your honest opinion and rumors, of course. I really would like to love Stranger Things, love the show, but looking at the streams and seeing the premium, it is just a projector instead of an LCD. It really puts me down. I, too, like to see the steel ball do things. All right. They even bring in the designers from the period. Why can CGC make Monster Bash um, with all these mechs while Stern can only do two mechs in a machine? Well, look, we know the answer to that, Peter. It's the Stern, Stern has a very low bomb, and they're not about mechanical expenses. They're about how can we make these games for as little as possible, and how can we make them as fun as possible using things that don't break, like artwork and code, all right? He then wrote, Stern nowadays is totally on production. They have to fill barcades, just uh, make Iron Man Vault that is not for home use. This is just for the arcades to have. That's a good point. He's right. I think Iron Man is for probably for operators. He said, I would love to buy a Jurassic Park, but the playfield issues hold me back. I once bought a new in-box Ghostbusters LE and got burned. They did fix it, credits to Stern, but it took a long time and stress you just don't want. The dimpling on these machines is crazy, and no, they do not even out after 1,000 plays. You know, the whole dimpling, Peter, and then the cratering issue, I, It's it, you're right, man. Everyone, it, it's not normal. It's just not. He goes on to say, the only thing you should do is buy a pinball machine and play it. I know you are waiting on Rick and Morty, but your search for the Holy Grail is never ending. Rick and Morty will not bring that to you. Just buy a machine, play it for a while, and sell it if you do not like it or are ready with it, um, even if it costs you some money. You meet great people, have fun, and explore lots of machines. And no, playing on location is not equal as to playing at home. If you do not buy new in box, the financial loss is even less. Just have fun. I know there is not one machine out there which is the holy grail. Some of some come close, but there are just uh, plain fun to play for a while. It does not have to be bolted to the floor. He said Batman 66 and Lord of the Rings wasn't, so your Rick and Morty will not be either. Once you let go of that idea, the hobby can really be fun. Go for your third Twippy. Good luck. All right, I forgot to mention, guys, this is the last day to vote for the Twippy. So if you haven't, get your votes in. Peter, thank you for the note. Let me respond to this, and then I got to go to work. So, Peter, I, I agree. Aren't we all searching for the holy grail of pinball? And we're, we're never going to get it. Because the holy grail of pinball is a game like Tales of the Arabian Nights. Or it's, it's a game like Twilight Zone. It's a game that has the most amazing physical world under glass ever. And it's a game that's coated by lime and sheets with the most approachable, yet deep, yet fun code ever. We're never gonna get it. And that's why this hobby's fun. That's why we follow pinball on a weekly basis. That's why with every new year, with every new release, we really wanna see how close can each game get to being the game of my dreams, the game that I do want to bolt to the floor, and it's not going anywhere. Now, there are some people out there that they do find those grail games, or they do find that game that's just perfect for them, that's never leaving. 
And that's amazing. And I guess what I'm saying is maybe I will never feel that way, but I want to feel that way. I want a game to make me feel like not for all the money in the world would I let this go. And that's what I think I get out of the hobby. I love the anticipation and the expectation sort of chase to find that game. And I I love it. I love it. And never being satisfied is also fine with me. If I'm never satisfied about my pinball games, I'd much rather be never satisfied about that than not being satisfied with my marriage or not being satisfied with my health and not being satisfied with my career, right? Because I'm very satisfied in the other areas of my life. And so me being cranky about pinball, I'm okay with that. And I think you're okay with that. And it's probably somewhat entertaining that this guy who seemingly has a lot of other good things going on in his life feels compelled to pick up a microphone and complain about pinball for for 30 minutes and, and then entertains us and then goes and does his job that he enjoys rubs his bulldog that he loves. I was going to say rub his Brenda that he loves um, sometimes when it when you know when it, it's an intimate night. Anyway, guys, have a great weekend. Enjoy the Super Bowl. Will slash be at TPF. Nobody cares about Iron Man Vault Edition. Spooky Pinball, the factory tour of the game being made looks amazing. I can't believe they're shipping it with the topper on. I like the black coin door. Joe Kamikow, if he makes Back to the Future, it's going to be a Chicago Gaming Company release. And Canadian Pinball Podcast will win a third Twippy for Best Pinball Podcast. Those are my predictions. Everyone, have a great weekend. Talk to you soon. (laughs) 